Welcome back to Down for the Count. This is a quick editor's note to let you guys know this week we're going to be doing two episodes. So you're going to get the top three that Nicole and I recorded because she was available and off work. And it was just me and her and we were talking about our top three fave wrestling returns. So this is basically going to be anybody who has come back in the WWE or AEW or anywhere that we love their return to wrestling. And it was just impactful and it obviously was memorable. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about some other stuff in between. This episode is really short, but it's a good one. So I hope you guys enjoy because we may be revisiting this topic later in the future. See you guys in there. Welcome back to Down for the Count. I am one-fourth of the co-host, Tiffany E. And I got Nicole with me and Alexa and Janae. They're out this week, but they'll probably be back tomorrow. And hopefully we'll have some more content this week for you. But say hi, Nicole. Hello. So it's just me and Nicole. So we're going to do something really quick. We're going to do our top three favorite returns. So... We're going to do our favorite top three returns. We're going to make it quick, and then we're going to let you guys go. And then tomorrow, we'll have some more content with some extra people, and it's going to be fun. I promise. Both of these episodes are going to be fun. So, Nicole, you go first. Um, One of mine, um, obviously, I'm going to pick in the air of WrestleMania returns. I'm going to go with the Hardys return at WrestleMania. I don't remember which one it was. I just remember it was the one in, it was Florida. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, whichever one that was in Orlando was 30 something. But I just remember watching it because it's like everyone was like, there was like rumblings of, hey, they might come back, blah, blah, blah. It was 33. Oh, I was close. I was thinking 34. Um, But it was something. And then once they dropped the impact tag um, belts, everyone was like, okay, like this might be a thing, but just like them being away for so long and them being back and being in like, a better health, a headspace, and being healthy, and it was just like, just amazing. It was just so loud. It was just insanity. That pop that they got when they came back was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I'm not gonna go for Mania returns, but one of my favorite returns was when Triple H came back from um, that second knee injury that he had. He came oh, when back. he had on the whole, when he had on that jean, jet, um, jean outfit? Yes, yes. That is absolutely one of my favorite returns because, well, during that time, we, we had the internet, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is now, and nobody knew. We didn't, we didn't hear any rumblings about it. Of course, we weren't looking for it. You're just watching it, and then he just shows up. And he had been gone for a while. And he shows up and he wrecks, he just wreaks havoc and it was just awesome. It was it was such a good return. I loved it. Um, so for my second, I'm kind of torn up about this. So I'm trying to think. So I'm going to go 
No, I'm going to save that because I think I have an unexpected one. Um, mine's is, is when Shane returned to Raw after oh. being gone for years. Yeah. yeah. And it was just obviously like everyone was just getting so over the authority and so like this is very anti-establishment and they're just so sick of them just ransacking everything and then I don't even think that there was actual rumors about for this or I don't think anyone really knew so that's why it was even more shocking Mm -hmm. so it was just like cool like holy shit they're like Shane is like actually here right so I think for a while he was gone for at least like six, seven, yes, eight years. years. Like he was, yeah, he was gone for a significantly amount, a significant amount of time. So it was just like holy, like he's like actually back in the WWE, and like it was just crazy. But I just loved it because it's just like I always loved, and that was like right when Vince was gonna name her GM or whatever. And then Shane comes out, and obviously, like, that inner conflict, that conflict between family, like, obviously, that's one of the best things about the McMahons, like, on-screen-wise, is their succession-like family dynamics, and... That King Lear story. Yeah, all that bullshit. There's this move... There's a show... No one probably fucking remembers it except for me. And it was this show on MTV and I was so good and I can never find it anywhere. And it ended up getting canceled. Well, it ended up getting derailed because it was airing um, 2001 and it got derailed because of um, September 11th. But it was this show called Spider Games. And it was basically about this older dude, like literally like this Vince McMahon type of um, like patriarch of this family. And he owned like this huge um, video game conglomerate. Well, he ends up, I think he either ends up getting, he ends up dying. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was like under like weird circumstances. So that was always lingering. And then it was kind of like the family fighting for control or who should basically like head the empire. And then they had like his daughter who was like always stuck by his side and always like was really like doing like the nitty gritty. And then it kind of had like the son who was just kind of aloof, but he was always the favorite and he was just kind of like doing whatever. And that's what, like, they kind of reminded me of. Oh. That is interesting. I don't even remember that. If I had money to do something, I would bring that fucking, fucking love that show. And I have not met a single person that's watched that show in, like, years besides me. (laughs) Damn, if if MTV had a streaming service, they could put all their old shit up there. I fucking love this show. 
That's gonna make me want to look for it because I don't even remember that show. No, it literally only had one season. Damn. Was that during the time where MTV was doing a lot of um? It's like when they first. It was like when they first started dipping into um Scripted. original programming, like very very early on. Okay. All right. So, segueing back to the top three, my second pick for returns. It has to be Naomi's when she returned at the Royal Rumble. I think it was 2019. I want to say it was that time. It was, to- it was, I think it was 2019. It was 2019. She came back. Yeah. Hair was natural. She got the loudest pop when her music hit and she came out there. It was, it was epic. She ended up on like Essence Magazine. They had her um on um the shade room she was everywhere and i just i love that for her because naomi is just one of those talents that is super underrated and she finally getting some time to shine now but um that was probably one of my favorite returns and it's a more recent return but it was one of my favorites and i to this day is still in like my top five favorite returns and she did good in the um Royal Rumble that year too so I loved it that was one of mine oh my gosh well I will use that as a backup so I'm going to go very left field and I might instantly regret this (laughs) um so my last one is surprisingly CM Punk. Now hear what? me out. Wow. I don't like Phil. I will never like that man at all. But even though it was like kind of spoiled, but I even though we were like that nigga is never getting back in a ring and blah 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 and all this other shit. But when it actually happened, regardless of how I feel about him as a character and as a person, I felt like I could, like, remove myself from it and look at how such an important moment that was for so many people and for the business in general. And that's kind of how... And that also helped me view... um, not really competition, but kind of view AEW a little bit higher that they were able to convince someone like that to um, put the boots back on and to go go try it again. But it was just like that meant so much to so many people. And that's what I love about it is that so many people really revered and really loved him while he was active the first time that they were just so overjoyed. And I feel like that's the important thing in wrestling, regardless of how I might feel about him or my dislike for him. But the fact that he could, that that made so many people happy is But I really liked and I felt like it was and I felt like it was such an important shift 
in the industry as well. I can't believe I said this. <laughs> and okay, if so- you want to add tips. <laughs> <laughs> I have, like, I'm kind of torn between these two, but I feel like we would be wrong for not addressing Kobe's return. I was going to do him as an honorable mention. And I mean, Cody, like, and to just piggyback off what Nicole said, regardless of how you feel about Cody personally or professionally, it totally depends on the person. When people speak about Cody Rhodes, Cody's return to WWE was a very, very epic lesson in one understanding that there is a always another way to make yourself be a commodity in this business sometimes staying in the wwe is not the best bet sometimes leaving and building yourself so you can withstand the trials of the wwe is better than staying there and growing within the company itself because not everybody is already prepared for that And we've seen and heard from many superstars like Matt Cordona, like um, Cody Rhodes, and they said it themselves, when we were there, we weren't prepared. WWE was like our college. It was like our, um, this was like our G League. It was like our D League. It was how we prepared to build ourselves in this industry. And you can't deny what Cody Rhodes was capable of doing after he left WWE, he was able to build a brand off of his own name and not necessarily being just a Rhodes. He stands alone in that family. And that says a lot because Dustin Rhodes casts a massive shadow. And I think that was Cody Rhodes, probably his biggest problem was trying to live up to his father's legacy instead of creating his own. And when he got out of WWE and he was able to move however he pleased, he saw that everything didn't have to revolve around his father, although that was his idol. And of course he loved him. He knew that he had to find his own way. And I think that's that's kind of how a lot of people should look at it from now on instead of always judging or passing judgment off on people who end up leaving WWE or people who come back, you should understand that there is a system in place that can help build a person up to be able to understand the business better and understand that it is a business. But it also helps you shape you as a person and create the characters you need so that you can withstand the hardships of WWE. So With all that being said, Cody Rhodes' return is probably one of the biggest within the last five years in WWE history, and it's massive. No matter where he goes or what he does, he commands attention, and he's a massive shadow in that company, and he stands with the rest of them, and I hate to say it, but he's right up there where Seth and Roman and the whole brood of Becky and Charlotte and all of the girls who are commanded top daughter Cody came in fresh off of his AEW run and went right into that fold and he hasn't stopped since so you have to give Cody his props it was an epic return and the pop that he got when he got there 
was fucking bananas. They didn't calm down for a while. Even well into his match with Seth, they were still screaming. So it's it's bigger than what people are making it out to be. But since that was my honorable mention and Nicole was going to mention him later, my favorite return was John Cena's when he returned at the Royal Rumble because he wasn't supposed to be there. He was supposed to still be out rehabbing. And I think he that was the time he tore that right pectoral muscle and he was gone for like three months. He was supposed to be gone from for six to nine and he tore his pectoral muscle and came back in three months and wrestled in the Rumble. And I believe he won that Rumble and went on to headline WrestleMania. That was one of my favorite returns because I was a big John Cena girl back then. And to see him leave under those circumstances and then come back and win the Rumble and think he had a 30 slot that year, that was fucking everything for me. And I paid for that pay-per-view. Yeah, I paid for it. HD. Not HD. people paying for pay-per-views. Not paying for it. It was expensive. Listen. I think that was a good one. Um, so I remember everyone was like, oh, John's going to be out for a while. Then he just like popped back up. I said, this nigga is wild. Because <laughs> what <laughs> is this? Um, it's just... Ugh. And it was just like, we're like, oh shit, like this nigga might be Superman, low key. <laughs> like how he come back. Um, I want to add to the Cody um, as well, because obviously that's one of the most recent. Oh, and also shout out to Asuka for also returning today. Right. Um, and Ali. Um, I'm so happy for Ali. They ain't nobody on SmackDown anymore. That shit is sad. It's sad right? hours on SmackDown. SmackDown used to be the very, show. Yeah, SmackDown is looking very, very second tier again. Uh, and I don't think Fox don't like that shit. They're going to have to pick up steam real quick. Like, Yeah, because it's literally like, and obviously this this is like kind of dip tiers from the top three, but like legitimately like since the Raw after Mania, like Raw has been so good. And again, I don't necessarily get to watch SmackDown as it airs mm-hmm. because like I work on because I work on Fridays, but it's like not like it's I feel like it's just so boring. Especially like looking at today and like me and few others were talking about like and this is like what cannot stand fucking raw most of the time we're like today's episode was so fucking good and i was like last thing that happened on smackdown because i feel like nothing significant like nothing remembers rememberable happens which is sad because they used to be able to pack so much in two hours i was like not me rather sitting down for a three-hour show than a two-hour one okay some make it make sense. They better do. Um, something. but going on top of Cody, yeah, they they really they they need to move some of them people, or some people need to get moved or called up or something thrown a smackdown because ain't no fucking way. I said, um, but I will literally send anybody there at this point. 
Um, <laughs> honestly, they need to stop having LA in dark segments and put him on TV because right? my God, like, they need help. Like, when are they gonna give him time on I'm television? Conf- very confused about that. What is going on? Um. Oh, so ooh, ooh, sorry, I'm yawning. Um. Let's just talk about a little bit on Cody. That 24 is going to be fucking fire. Right? With, uh, like, like, on top of that, and then on top of, like, Kevin and Austin and um, everything with Becky and Bianca, like, that 24 is going to be so, so good. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> um... But yeah, just like that, um, just like this, and like I said with punks, even though I might not be like a huge, huge fan, the significance of it is what's important. I think what people really need to kind of separate themselves from, especially like little people who are like, he's a traitor, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he obviously went where the money resides. They gave him a crazy ass contract, mm-hmm. a bus, like them other niggas had to buy their own bus. He, they bought him one. Mm. And what? And whatever crazy amount that he signed on for, on top of everything else. So that's what I'm like, and also, like I said, I was, and I think we've, I don't know, I've talked about this before, and it's like the potential, the potential of it. It's like, again, it's a shift in industry. Like I said, Punk's return was like not too long ago. This is also those people who are at AEW might necessarily might not necessarily be too happy or know that their contract isn't going to be renewed and they can be like wow look at literally what they done with them like they took him like straight over how he was as he was and trusted him with it because obviously it it had potential on TV why don't I go try that and, and again the TV, it though, your ass can't be no no. I put it this way: you can't be Jungle Boy and go to WWE and expect to go have that type of run in WWE with Jungle Boy's personality. He doesn't it's, have a personality. Sweet, probably is very sweet man. Um, no personality whatsoever. But you know what? He's a great wrestler. Hopefully, he'll develop that a little bit more. But again, those are. But there's people there that will translate well. Like MJF will probably have to learn not to cuss so much, but he would translate well. I think they. If I was them, I would already start um, setting aside money for Jade. And I would have feelers be be like, let us know when her contract is close, so we can start um, emailing sis, um, people like them to um, Kip Saban, and again I talk about them all the time. Kip Saban and Penelope Ford and the Ricky Starks. I think those are three people who would translate better in WWE. I agree. Ricky Starks way better. Especially. 
Yes. And I look at him all the time and I'm like, oh no, baby, you in the wrong place. I feel like hell fucking um hell um Taz's son, I'd put his ass in NXT. What? You're talking about Hook? And make him yes. And put him um give his ass a North American championship. I shit you not. I mean, I love that. I because at first I couldn't stand it, and I was like, I can't stand this little motherfucker. But I was like, you know what? I like it. I respect it. I he just needs. I like I, it. I haven't seen Hook. I know that he can wrestle. I've seen it, and I know that he's improved. Because when I first saw him, I oh, he's a fan. I wasn't sold on Hook in the beginning. But then I've uh-huh. seen him. And then I'm like, why is everybody... He's already a better wrestler than his daddy. Oh, not him. Is the mystique. He's very... He is. No, he... And this is very smart of him. Is like he's he was able which not a lot of people and again this is another major complaint that I sometimes have about AEW that there aren't enough characters right he and I think obviously I think this is Taz in his ear he was able to create like a mystique and a character about himself that has it that's not necessarily something that a lot of people do at normal times obviously because this is a complaint that I think um myself and you have talked about this so many times and, I, and um, Big Kitty Mysterio somewhat there's enough character wrestlers there's not enough wrestlers who are legitimately characters yeah. anymore yeah they're just wrestlers they're just like, wrestlers like Keith Lee and I think Keith Lee's biggest downfall in WWE was that he didn't really have a character. I liked Keith Lee. I thought as a baby face, he worked tremendously well. But during the time that they brought him up, they were like, okay, you're a big burly guy. We want to put you in as a heel. We need you to be a heel. And your voice doesn't give heel. You know, you have to kind of switch it up a bit. And he's like, well, I can't just be mad out of nowhere. Like, I have to have a reason. You don't even need to be mad to be a heel. You just have an attitude. And I'm like, well, you got to do something, bro. Like, I mean, you're being given an opportunity. And I I mean, I can't stress it enough. And, and Keith Lee, I feel like at the same time, Keith Lee still didn't get the proper opportunity. He got one. But it was like a minuscule door. And his wife even got a smaller one. But given the opportunities that he had, I felt like Vince really was very high on Keith. And once he didn't deliver heel-wise, it didn't work out for him in his favor. And that's where they kind of soured on Keith. And I'm like, damn, like, if you can't push Keith Lee, like, come on. And I, I realize now... But the problem is NXT during that time worked because it played on the security of the indies. It provided them with this 
security of WWE can produce indie style content and have indie style wrestlers go over and be major mega stars possibly. But the guys who actually went over were the guys who would be most likely WWE stars, i.e. guys like Adam Cole, Champa, Gargano, and the list can go on. Those indie style guys like Sean, um, uh, what's her name's husband, um, and a couple other people who didn't really fit into that mold of WWE, they ended up being phased out. They fizzled out. You didn't see them anymore. And the sad part is Keith Lee, Swerve, which Swerve did get the shorter than stick because I felt like Hit Row was a banger of a group and it grew on you. And once you really got into them, they could have done damage had they been given the opportunity. And right now would have been the best time to start pushing them since SmackDown lost so many key people for their show outside of the Uso, Roman, Ronda, and Charlotte. Like there's not really much going on in that locker room other than them. And you could have had Hit Row over there along with New Day now. You could have had a whole thing going over there on SmackDown, but you lost out on it. And now you got nothing. You got to start rebuilding SmackDown from scratch. And as much as everybody is pandering to Roman, after in a minute, you're going to start asking, okay, now what you going to do? Like there's only so far that he can go. There's only... There's only so much that he's going to be able to do. He's not going to be able to carry that show by himself. And what people fail to realize is 90% of Roman's success are is owed to the people that he was fighting. So that goes to the KOs. That goes to Seth Rollins. That goes to Brock. And as I give Brock the blues, but he did a very good job transitioning from Beast Brock to Cowboy Brock. And he became a face overnight and it worked for him. And it helped boost Roman in his shit. They got to do something. But Keith Lee and, and even carrying it, like they have potential. They had potential to be great. And they just, they're indie guys coming into the casual wrestling world. And they did not transition well in that world. So, I feel like they're, I feel like they mess with carrying too much. I feel like they legitimately set him up for failure. But that's like a whole. That sounds hope. very intense. I don't want to say set up for failure, but it was just like, it was just too much going on. And they didn't even need to do all that with him. I felt like his vignettes could have worked if they would have started with the vignettes and then led to the matches. But they didn't do that. Like they kind of put him on the show and then they didn't give any context to why he was there. They just had him wrestling. At least when Kevin came over as champion, we saw he answered the call for John Cena's U.S. championship. We saw Sammy answer the challenge for that championship. We saw Paige come out there while AJ Lee was talking. And she, you know, got involved with that via AJ Lee. That's how they were able to transition over to the main roster. And even for Xavier, some of the older NXT people, they had roles 
coming in, there were there were there was a point A and a point B, and they went from this to this to this. Like we saw it play out in front of us. This for Carrion was just out of the blue. It just seemed very odd. I don't know who was in charge of that, but whoever it was, you fucked up. And you made some, you made Carrion look like he wasn't capable. Um, because I've seen his killer cross um on the indies, and I felt like just give him the microphone and let him do what he wants to do. The character setup of him and Scarlet was textbook main roster characters for both of them. And they just cut Scarlet out completely, put him out there by himself. And then I think they like, I don't know if they asked him to dumb it down or just not be as intense or whatever, but it doesn't work. You can be intense and still be PG, in my opinion. It really just depends on what you say um, and how you say it. I just, I just wish that given the fact that we've given our top three on the returns, and I hope that people see that when WWE gets it right, they get it right. They can give you the balance. The balance is always, we get characters, we get decent matches, we get good storylines. We get campy, funny storylines because that shit with our truth is funny. I don't care what anyone says. I was cracking up all night with that. That was hilarious. And they give you everything on one show. It's three hours. They have plenty of time to fill it. And for them to celebrate Randy, they didn't make the show specifically about Randy, but they gave Randy the beginning and the end of the show. Once they were done with Randy, they moved on to the next segments and they moved on and they if the show flowed properly. Then they went back to the end and really that last match didn't give Randy the spotlight until the last five to six minutes. That's when Randy yeah. was able to get in and have his moment of, um, of greatness. So the show wasn't about him, but even though it wasn't, he still was able to have his time. And that, that's the balance. That's what um, a lot of us have just been asking for, is just balanced WWE programming. Just stick to what you do best. This is what you do best, and this is all we wanted. Monday Night Raw this week was probably one of the best shows they've had in the last couple of months. And they've been consistently getting better and better each week. SmackDown... <sighs> SmackDown has been dwindling on their champions part in terms of Charlotte and Roman more specifically because Roman has nobody to compete against and I thought about it the other day and then Charlotte is just like and again I'm not trying to be mean but it's just like she needs a break or something because it's just fucking stale it's just so so stale and, and I love that's why I said like NXT 2.0 has been good. I know I love Charlotte too. Like SmackDown, like quote unquote, you set it up to be your flagship again, and it's a fucking me- and it's boring now. Yep. How you boring? <laughs> it's not and ideal. That's... No, it's not. They gotta fix it. And you know what? They could use SmackDown as the launching pad for a lot of people's careers. 
Um, use it to launch LA Knight as your flagship guy. Um, use it to launch Red to reemerge with Lady Evans. You've got Raquel back there. Regardless how you feel about her personally, she's a powerhouse wrestler. Give her time. You know what I'm saying? Um, you've got who else you got back there? Uh, you got the New Day back there. Use them to launch it. You got Butch back there. Switch Butch back to Pete Dunn and let him be the bruiserweight on the main roster. It's a better character. I understand what you were trying to do. You put all the guys <laughs> from Europe in one group. Let Pete be Pete. That works out better for Pete. And it'll work out better for the roster itself. Bring Miz over there. Miz being on Raw. Raw being the little corner. And you already got um There's already Austin enough Miz. people that talk on right. on Raw. You already um, got Miz over there since you running with him as the champion. You need to get that shit to Mustafa. <laughs> give it to Mustafa. Now. Um but yeah, it's just like raw, like SmackDown, like legitimately needs help. Like, and like who else that I don't like, but they can do something with. But yeah, it's like Roman again. Like love Roman. Like the, he's obviously in his bag with this character, but they have completely booked themselves against the wall with him now. Yep. And now, obviously. um, some people um I think I was listening to Cheap Heat and they gave and they gave like a really good scenario they were like you know after it was like okay it's like we will book this as like Cody winning money in the bank Cody has this match with Drew or whoever whoever fuck it is um at SummerSlam Roman wins, obviously, but he's fucking exhausted, beat down, or whatever, and then you do Cody do another heist. Comes out with the money in the bank. Boom. He takes one of the belts finally off Roman. One of the belts is finally gone from him. And then... For sure. He's not gonna... Yeah. No. But I think, like they said, I think that would be a smart way to take it off of him or I feel like that's the right now that's the only way to talk to take it off of him like he might end up dropping it at money in the bank because but in the meantime that's they're gonna hell be if he has if hell hell if they do that fucking money in the bank they have the what if they have the money to bank the men's one early I think they did that before, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yep. They did and they it for the women did too. That, and they did that, um, and they did it for the women. Um, so anytime the women's is always early, they need to stop having the women cash on the um same night. I bet like I obviously I loved it the last few times, but let's let whoever wins money in the bank for women hold it longer than fucking twenty four hours. Yeah, because Bailey cashed it same nine. Nikki next night. Yeah, Nikki cashed it the next night, Um, and Oscar 
well, she ta- quote on, we'll say she cashed it, cashed yeah. hers the next night, basically. So that's three people who have not held. That's three. And how many money banks have they had, women wise? Oh, okay. Carmela won twice. Bliss won. Wait. Bailey won. Well, um, it's also cashed the night of, didn't she? All right. So that's everybody except as everybody. Except for um, Carmela has cashed on the um, that night. Yeah. Okay. So let's not do that again. So have the women go later then. Have the men go first this time. Mm-hmm. Cody win. Have him fucking have him cash on Roman that night. And then let Cody start off as the Raw champion. And then you can have, if you want Which Roman again, Hello. You can have him. Them, they'll have him keep it. So, mm-hmm. have if you want Roman to keep it, you can have him go against each other at Survivor Series. Yeah. And then I occupies him and then um, start working into which. I think is actually going to happen now, especially with that Young Rock clips. I feel like that's too grand. Uh, right? It was such, it was such a... I was just... Like, that's such a weird thing to put in your show. Yeah. I said, so I said, well, I was always like that. I was like, I, I kind of be like, oh, that's my but then after that clip because I felt like it was just so it was so random and not only that he's Roman more mainstream audience as well right I said something about this is adding up to something they're gonna do it personally I think it will work better without the title because the, the whole point of him is to that dynamic family base and I think it should stay that way but if they want him to keep the title and then The Rock take it off of him I mean yeah it's cool and everything I just feel like it it don't have to go that way I feel like it should all be I think way. it's gonna I feel like it's gonna go that way because it wouldn't make sense any other way at this point now In my in my mind, and that's what I feel like. I don't know. Like, people might think different, but just in my mind, I feel like it. Like it kind of has to be, and he can do attrition. He can just retire the next night, officially in the ring, quote unquote, because he just did like a fucking Instagram retirement, and we all know that's not real. Until. To me, it's not really good if what they're in. Here's somebody that don't know by give a fuck about that you can retire all you want on online. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think I don't know. I just think um, if they want to go, I feel like they would have to go that route now. Because, like I said, like they just like back themselves in a the corner with it. 
So I feel like they have to, they just have to continue to like write it out pretty much. Well, only one who hasn't gone up against Roman is Randy. He's the only one. Randy and Cody. Everybody else has gone up against Roman and either got disqualified or lost. Like Roman either got disqualified or he officially won over them. Because Seth was a DQ in his match. So, technically, there's only three people in the company that he hasn't fully beaten, which is Randy, Cody, and Seth Rollins. Which, personally, I wouldn't mind watching Roman and Randy go at it. I feel like that would be dope. If they ever split up RK-Bro... Or just send them to SmackDown, which at this point I would fucking do. I, I I would do it because SmackDown needs them. I think it would work. SmackDown needs something. But since we're off topic, we're gonna, I'm gonna let Nicole go to bed. So. We are done. We gave you guys more than top three. We got some tidbits about the show, how good it was, and we also got um, a bar opinions on some of the people who could go to WWE and actually succeed there. With all that being said, make sure you follow us on our social medias at Down for the Count 19 on Twitter and at D4TC underscore podcast on Instagram. And you can always listen to us all across the world on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And the list goes on. So on behalf of the girls at Down for the Count, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for watching. And as I said in the podcast, you can follow us at Down for the Count 19 on Twitter and at D4TC underscore podcast on Instagram. Make sure that you guys keep up with us. I know we haven't been posting as much as um, we should, but sometimes life gets in the way. And while we are going to continue to post our podcast regularly, there are going to be some minor changes to help us keep up with the demand. So don't worry. Rose Sessions is coming up next week. We're going to do another top five next week, and we're going to have some more interesting information that I think definitely needs to be discussed on the podcast. With all that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Done for the Count and make sure you look forward to our next one. Bye.